It's the 2012 Awards Flocktacular, where all of Hollywood's dimmest stars come out to shine. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalin. Uh, I said that the way you say Stuart Wellington. It's pretty good. Hey, hey, it's the traditionally cursed. Don't episode. say hey to us. What? Treat us like human beings. <laughs> We're not animals. Hey, would you like some of this hay, Elliot? Hey. Yes, I, w- I guess I am an animal. I enjoy eating hay. So, because mm-hmm. you're a ruminant. What? <laughs> you eat it, and it goes into one of your well, four I stomachs. A, I have a wife. I hardly call her a roommate. <laughs> we, yeah, we live in the same place, but... Okay, this is the worst. Who's on first <laughs> ever? Uh, no, I was just saying that this is our... Four stomachs. Uh... <laughs> four stomachs. I thought that my four stomachs material was going to kill with you guys, but no. no. Uh, this is our flop. T- this is our awards floptacular episode. Okay. Now, what's that mean? It means that it's the uh, one episode a year where we don't watch a movie beforehand... We Any just talk about uh, the awards, the Academy and Awards. What awards would those be? The Academy Awards of the Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Oscars. Oscars. Oh, ah, yeah, the Grouchies. No. <laughs> the awards given out by Oscar the Grouch for Best Garbage. <laughs> the Grimsbys. <laughs> so, uh, and we're also recording this on a leap day, so there's a good chance that it'll get, uh, like it'll get crazy. sucked into a portal of time. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that would happen. I don't because don't these things only happen on grand conjunctions or something? I don't just once every four years. Oh, okay. Now what's it gonna? What's what? What it means? Grand actually, conjunctivitis is what you're thinking. <laughs> what it means actually, Stuart, is that because uh, your apprentice your apprenticeship was set to end with this podcast, you're actually forced to do this podcast for another four years. Oh wow! Yeah. My Sorcerer's Apprenticeship. <laughs> yeah. That's a movie we watched for the Flophouse That's earlier this year, a guys. A callback to oh, all man. our listeners. We'll do some other callbacks later on in the show. Yep, and probably. some back calls and some <laughs> cock balls. That's, you take callback and you move the A-L-L and the C-K. Why? Does it mean something else? Mm, not that I can think of. Okay, So, good. the Oscars. Uh, NASCAR's I, I highest our, honor. <laughs> I tell by the our Oscars. rambling that it was a really exciting broadcast. Uh, was it? There was uh, there Billy was Crystal music, singing. Billy Crystal sang that stupid song he sings every year. I mean, that's already acrobatics. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I was I was already concerned that it was going to be boring when uh, when I saw that Billy Crystal was hosting. No offense, to Billy Crystal. He's just done it a lot. Uh, no, that is the only way Billy Crystal Been can boring? take that is with offense. You mean? He's done Whoa, that a lot. Whoa, low yeah, blow. <laughs> low blow. He is an octogenarian who is has he? put in his time. No, he's not. But um, he, he's, well, he's sticky. I'll say that for him. He's yeah, like that product they sell on TV mm-hmm. that cleans up cat hair. Um, it's called sticky. It was, it was probably the most boring Oscars I can remember seeing. And it's a big, let's just get this out of the way. Every year everyone says that was the worst Oscars ever. Every year. Yeah, yes, and, and this is the first time I agree with them. Yeah, last year everyone was like, "This was the worst Oscars ever." Anne Hathaway and James Franco, how I awkward! Could use, I could use a double dose of Franco and Anne Hathaway. Yeah, I last year it was an Oscars where I was like, "This didn't totally work," but they tried some different things. At least it had some kind of energy, even if it was nervous energy. Mm-hmm. But this year it was like on autopilot. It was just like, "Get Billy Pr- Crystal, 
have uh, insert the Oscars disc so he can run that program, mm-hmm. and then everyone else, the same old stars, just walk out and do whatever. Like and last, let's keep this moving as quickly as possible. Let's keep it moving unless we're having a montage of actors talking to the camera about how great movies are. Or worse yet, that opening montage, which was just like, these are the most montage montaged <laughs> scenes of the past oh, when he you was, know, 50 he's years. Like, movies are great, huh? Yeah. Here's a little reminder. And then it's like, we're going to need a bigger boat. Give him an offer he can't refuse. King yeah. of the world. Yeah, king of the world. Life is like a box of chocolates. It's like, it was almost like uh, Keanu Reeves in The Matrix. Like, instead of teaching him kung fu, they were like, by the way, here's a quick history of uh, all the movies that want, that beat box office records over the past 50, you know, 20 years. And they just shoved those scenes in his head. That, may, that reminds me. They've been advertising the upcoming uh, Titanic release in 3D. Yeah. And the commercials say... From the director of Avatar, <laughs> so they're using the like the biggest grossing movie of all time to promote the second biggest grossing movie. Yeah, of all time, well, because basically. there's a generation of young, like teenage girls and boys, I assume, but mostly girls who would want to see it, but who don't know. Yeah, I mean, James Cameron the, the and don't love know the old blue Titanic aliens and Fern Gully and shit. <laughs> and they're like, teach me about history. Teach me about boat sinking. Mm-hmm. Teach me about hearts and how they go on. Yeah, yeah. and about. Posing for nude pictures in the back of old timey cars. Uh, I mean, yeah, if, I it gets, if it gets, needs to learn if it about that. introduces no. a new generation to Billy Zane, I'm all for it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh, he's struggling a little right now, guys. Yeah, Zane's, no offense. He is. He's not doing. This is not a, the age of Zane. Let's just say that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was just an autopilot Oscars, like super dull and super rote, and it was like. These big stars would walk out, and it's like Tom Cruise, Angelina Jolie, like okay, great, like Robert Downey Jr. These are the, I feel like these are the same stars we see all the time mm-hmm. in the movies, not television. And one of the things that was most exciting to me last year was when Kirk Douglas came out, and like everyone was like, "Oh, he looks so old. Why is he on television?" Yeah, and like Mumra out of his tomb. <laughs> Shouldn't he be fighting Lionel? <laughs> But that uh, was me, and I was complaining the whole time. Really? Well, you yeah. did think it was Mumra. I was like, "Is that a Skeksis? <laughs> <laughs> is this a thing for Jim Henson? What's going on?" But like, it was very exciting to me, at least, and I assume to old people to see like like you, yeah, like me, people who are old at heart, to see like an old star who is genuinely iconic, and you don't see that much anymore. Like, he hasn't done movies since what was his last one? Like Diamonds, whatever it was called, the movie he made with well, yeah. like Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, and uh, there's the one he made and with, Jenny McCarthy. with uh, Michael Douglas too. Maybe that was Diamonds. And he hasn't been in the uh, he hasn't been in the tabloids lately for all his partying. Mm-hmm. No, well because he's been recovering over the past number of years from a stroke. But oh, but, so he hasn't been having like stroke parties. But where I guess you Is invite, that a thing? You invite stroke the strokes parties? to play, <laughs> okay. and uh, but like wow, you do stroke parties a lot different than the way I do stroke parties. <laughs> but it was really usually it's a party of one. <laughs> but there was some. But there was something that seemed <laughs> waiter party of one, please. <laughs> Masturbating party of one. <laughs> uh, you'll need to come by later on with your rag. <laughs> oh, what? Oh, what you, oh, you don't. I can't believe you do that. <laughs> See, you have a perfectly good cat in your apartment. Why don't you just entice it over? Uh, thank you, Stuart, for taking the heat off of me. <laughs> Gross. So, anyway, what I was saying about Kirk Douglas was there was something special about it. Like, it's not someone you see a lot. And on Mark Evanier's uh, blog, he was talking about how, like, they needed what they could have, they could have, like, switched up the presenters, like, have 
somebody somebody you don't see a lot come out and his I think what he suggests like Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner come out and present something or like Roger Ebert comes out and presents something with his like computer program voice mm-hmm. just yeah. like something that would make it feel like a special event like they're they're pulling out the stops and things you wouldn't normally see you know Well speaking of the elderly can I talk about the two things that <laughs> Bill Actually, more about like, Billy Crystal? Yeah, well, okay. No, can I tell you about the two things that actively angered me about this thing uh, this year? Number one... It went on way too long. <laughs> no, the opposite way of that. Way past her bedtime. The well, once that, again, they the, snubbed Abe Vigoda. In the interests of uh, speed, I guess, or, or maybe just trying to keep people young... Uh, they uh, yet again shunted off the lifetime achievement honorary stuff. Yeah, to a pre-tape. To thing. a pre-tape thing. So you just get like you know quick snippets of like James Earl Jones and what like the who's Dick the Smith, Dick right? Smith, the, the makeup artist, makeup artist. Like, well, you'd think they'd at least put they'd want Oprah on the primetime cast. But yeah. Instead, they didn't. But like, how how much more exciting would it have been to have James Earl Jones, who hasn't done a movie in forever, yeah, to have him give a speech than to have like. I don't know who t- who talked in the thing like Gwyneth Paltrow, mm. you know, to have Cam- uh, Cameron, Cameron Diaz and uh, J-Lo Cameron Diaz and, and J Lo just sticking their, their butts at the camera presented to us like bonobos. So that was <laughs> a thing. But also, I, I didn't pay attention during that. So part. that angered me. Really, the part with about women's butts didn't you didn't yeah, pay attention was, to? You didn't pay attention. Was, you didn't. I missed that part. But that it was, was like, also the part where people were arguing over whether there was a nip slip on the internet. Oh, no, no, no. I, I paid attention to that part. So oh, what you, you saw was you, you were so busy so, investigating the nip slip. That yeah, you exactly. Would, well, I was quickly so you, live do you, blogging. Do your eyeballs do <laughs> you they nip shut blogging. off when like the posterior is, is put? Yeah, uh, of course. It goes. Forth. I start playing old-timey movies in the back of my head. <laughs> Old timey movies, like, old-timey movies. <laughs> like uh, Goonies and oh, old timey, uh, yeah. Star Wars, yeah, like Episode sure. One, The Phantom Menace, <laughs> the classics <laughs> in 3D, the canonical classics, sure. Uh, so, but that angered Dreamscape. me. Dreamscape, <laughs> Dream Quest, Dreamscape, Ice <laughs> Pirates, all, all the best movies. Crawl. Cloak and Dagger. Now we're just naming movies, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the Falcon and the Snowman, sure. Light of the Navigator, Flesh and Games. Blood. Baby, Legend of the Lost Dinosaur. <laughs> That's actually a movie. Secret of Nim. Uh, it's, it's called Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. No, it's not. The movie's called Secret of Oh, yeah, that's right. Secret of Nim. Don um, Bluth, ruining the titles of our classics. So, yeah, classics like The Pebble and the Penguin and, and Rocket and, and, and Gnome in Central Park <laughs> and Balto. So, what? Well, uh, no, I agree with you. I think I think they could have. It felt a little bit like the first time I went into a movie theater. And I went in expecting to see like the movie trivia and actually have trivia, interesting for, trivia that you might not get. And instead, it was all just commercials for movies that are about to be released. Oh yeah, or currently yeah. in theaters or TNT shows. Yeah, and that that's kind of that's kind of how it felt. Like it felt like everything that everybody that went up there was either with had been doing stuff very consistently or was super famous or. Had a movie to plug. And yeah. But also, I mean, like, you, you talk about, Elliot, how, like, the Oscars are really just an advertisement for movies. Yeah. And they're they advertising are. it in, like, the most rote, cheap way. Like, like it, it's, they're making, they're devaluing movies by putting, like, a slap of, like, gold paint over the movies rather than having it, like, gilded all the way through. Yeah, well, like, because... if they honored the actual idea of there being a history to the movies, that's, that's more of a idea of true glamour i feel like but and, to, and to present the next award ben stiller and a can of pepsi <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you are delicious pepsi 
Although and affordable, Ben Stiller and Emma Stone was one of the few times I genuinely laughed at something that was happening. Not be- I mean, because Emma Stone know. was really it selling. Went it. on for a long time. Yeah, but she seemed to genuinely like she she cared about the bit that she was doing. Like everyone else, like was selling out the bits, and like the bits are terrible. That's all. But she managed to almost make that work through the force of. And she's you know, pretty. Girl, she's, she's got a pretty pair of stones. Next, she's basically. pretty girl next door. See, I mean, Where do, who did you left live next door to? Emma Stone, super I hot, guess. super yeah, hot, uh, cool girl. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but the, no, the other thing who fought that, zombies. Yeah. The other thing that bothered me though was along the same lines was the in memoriam. Like the in memoriam looked like it was made on like an old MacBook. Like you know, it was just like oh, MacBook Pro. Yeah, but it was it was just white fade ins and fade out of pictures. Like it it was only it was like halfway through before they showed any film clips at all, and there were very few film clips. I mean, they had a lot of people that in that listing that were not. Actors and maybe they're trying to expand that so it's not and so that's the actor thing. focused. The, the content of it, there were a lot more people who worked in the technical side of movies, which is something I appreciated. But you can still show some of their work. I mean, that's the thing. Like if you, if you I guess care, so. Like that's if true. You care about what and their at work least, was. At least like, helps to te- teach people who don't know who those people are yeah. what they did. But I was just so I like I was just so happy that they ended on Elizabeth Taylor and not Whitney Houston. Now, on you know, that, that That's subject. fine, but as far as I'm concerned, the best part of In Memoriam is, like, you take a walk through people's work. Like, people who have left us, like, this is the actual work they did. Like in Rocky that... Balboa, how he walks through his memories. <laughs> yeah. But this is why we're honoring these people. This is why we're remembering them. They did these but the, things. But that's, that section, and I agree with you, I, I would love it if the whole show was, I would love it if that was sprinkled throughout the show, and it was just the whole show was award, just death, obituary, death, death. award, obituary. But to them, that is a... Just an obligatory thing they but have to no, get but, through. But, but that is the thing that like everyone every year actually cares about. Like that is one part of the Oscar ceremony I think that people or viewers actually care about. Like whether whether they care about it like in the way that like you might care about it. You're like okay, this is like movie history, or they just care about it. Just like who's gonna be in this year? I mean, you know, that's like, what where they gonna end on. I think what, you hit like, it when you said that's what reviewers care about. But yeah. they're not trying to get reviewers. They're trying to get audience members because. Trying the, to get butts in the seats. Exactly, mm-hmm. because the problem with the Those Oscars... butts are already in the seats, Stuart. The problem, I mean, like, they're honored to be there. The they problem with... Yeah. But the home butts. Okay. Home the butts, problem home with the Oscars... <laughs> That's a great, great movie, by the way. Home butts. The problem with the Oscars, as with the Emmys, is that this the these are not real award ceremonies. These are television whoa, programs. Whoa. Emmy winner Elliot Kalin. This is the Emmys. Now that I have two of them, I can tell you it's all fake. But these these are television. These are treated like television shows that happen to be about awards being given out. Mm-hmm. And the important thing to them is not we're going to really honor the people who won tonight. We're going to honor this industry. It is we got to put together an Oscars that finally gets big ratings and that draws eyeballs and interests young people. And they they it, it gets, it's treated like a like a competitive television program. It does get good enough ratings. Like that's the thing. It like, gets if good enough ratings that they haven't yet canceled it. But it isn't. It doesn't get the ratings it got in the seventies or the. But it's 80s. never going to. Like but nothing they, on television is. But like, they want it to. But nothing on television is. And like, it, frankly, I, like, at this point, that... it doesn't get the ratings that it get that it needs to justify the money spent on it by networks. Is part mm-hmm. of it. Like to to carry the Oscars or the Emmys used to be like a big thing. Like we got it this year, and now it's just like, oh shit, it's our turn. I guess. Well, all right, we'll run this turd. You know, we'll make it happen. It's going to smell no matter what. It's going to stink. We just hold our noses and just put Billy Crystal out there and hope 
everyone forgets about it by next year. All right. Well, now that I've vented my spleen a little, like you guys can talk about something that's actually. Those are, I was going to about... say those vents are beautiful. Did you get those done recently? <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I've been looking into spleen vents and they're very expensive. The thing is to like recess them so you don't really see them from the outside. Like, yeah, it, I had to look very closely. That's now. expensive bioware. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> on like, the subject of existence, existence. What? On the subject of Whitney Houston, uh, <laughs> I was arguing with my buddies in the uh, in the army. Yeah, in in the video game chat rooms. <laughs> <laughs> just just kidding. Uh, but I was just arguing. Kidding. They're message boards. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was arguing. So, I mean, she died <laughs> right in two thousand. She died right. <laughs> <laughs> like, There's a woman like who's been died. calling me saying she's Whitney Houston, and everyone thinks she's dead, but she's not. I didn't think her death fell within the Oscars category window. They always get they all, no the the deaths aren't by the same deadlines that the movie nominees are. Okay, it's and they yeah. always get in trouble. It's not because, like people need to die for a week in L.A. just to qualify for the Oscars. And every okay. year, <laughs> nice one. Sure. And every year they. Uh, they get shat on by somebody for forgetting someone who died like right before the awards. Mm-hmm. So I think they just air like on the side. Like when they forgot of... Sarah Marshall. That was terrible. She Wait. died. <laughs> she was not on. That was a movie. Year. It's the yeah. name of a movie, Elliot. Dying Sarah Marshall? Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, I guess I lost the argument. <laughs> I'm so just... Noob Slayer 27, <laughs> I-O-U-A Mountain Dew. Noob Slayer 28. I still stand by my point. <laughs> sure. But it this it hurt that this was an Oscars where a lot of the movies were not big movies, mm-hmm. like there were no avatars. There were no avatars. Titanics. There were no Lords of the Ringses. There were no Tights Nanix. There were no Inceptions. In, there were no Inceptions. No Dark Knights. Keep it up. <laughs> I'll add letters into all sorts of words. Like yeah. what were you, you make fun of me for reciting song lyrics as if they were jokes? <laughs> just, well, I'm just, just inserting extra inserting letters. Extra into words. Okay, into so words. so we've talked. Look, we're none we, of us perfect. We've I'm talked enough about the telecast. Should we talk about uh, nominees? Well, that's yeah, what I was getting into. Awards, that's what I was getting into. I'll tell you something. Rise of the Planet of the Apes should have won Best Visual Effects. Hey, let's all say I, I'm not sure I agree, but let's let's all say one positive thing about the Oscar telecast to kind okay. of clear the air before we get to the nominees sure. section. Clear that and I'll start. Smell out of the way. I liked the Christopher Guest bit until it went too long. Yeah, and I thought so, I, I, I thought a qualified compliment. <laughs> and I, I thought Fred I Willard was like very this, funny. I, did, I I liked it for some reason. It was less funny to me hearing the audience laugh. Like it was as if there was a laugh track to it. But I liked uh, the bit I can understand in that. That I thought it was. I liked the idea. I didn't think it really fit. There was no re. That like the subject of that bit was totally inconsequential and had nothing to do with the rest of the hey you know these focus groups we've all dealt with them here's a little bit about focus groups in the 30s it's yeah like, all right is this not supposed to seem relevant because but i liked the idea of doing that kind of a bit uh i'll say that in addition to as i said before enjoying uh young miss emma stone i uh the young miss emma stone chronicles mm-hmm. i did like i didn't Story like the practices CGI techniques before the <laughs> before he puts them in movies. Yeah. yeah, I didn't like the whole bit of like uh, what are they thinking, but I did like the end where they just cut to Nick Nolte and he was like, Ugh. yeah. And Nick Nolte was red faced and laughing as if he was going to have a stroke right there. <laughs> I did like being too gravelly. I, I did like the interview with Nick Nolte on the red carpet where they asked him if he owned a crow and he didn't know what they were talking about for a minute or two before he admitted that he does in fact own a crow. A crow like the bird? Yeah, the bird. Yeah. <laughs> He got is it from a, the movie. Uh, is he a maester? Uh, U-turn. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. 
is the uh I thought I would thought you were gonna say, Dan, uh that you liked um why is why can I not remember his name? The winner for best supporting actor, his speech. Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer. That you liked Christopher Plummer's speech. That was that was the high point of the night for me. No, he was uh I mean we were talking about this at work. Like that's what the Oscar should be. It should be graceful old men. Uh, it should making, be it should be hot making, young women showing off their gams and making jokes and graceful old Englishmen. Yeah, being charming. Well, he's from Canada. Oh, that's right. He's Canadian. He I, just, which I discovered he just when seems I, English. When I accidentally tweeted that he was English, or not accidentally, I tweeted that he was English because he sounds like he's English, but he's he's yeah. Canadian. And you got dick slapped. Uh, got slapped I, by I, Christopher Plummer. With I fact checked myself. Oh, okay. I was like, I'm he not facts sure checked. This. He checked his faxes, mm-hmm. and it was one for Christopher Plummer saying, "Here's my birth certificate, just so you can say I'm Canadian, yeah, like Donald I appreciate, Sutherland." I appreciate the tweet, but uh, I am a Canadian gentleman. Uh, and I think one of the things that did also bugged me about the awards was there was it felt like there was this feeling of like, finally Meryl Streep has gotten her due. She's finally won an Academy Award after all this great work, and it's like she has two already. And it's like widely regarded that she's like the best actress around. What did she have for? She has one for Sophie's Choice. She has one for Choice. Sophie's Choice and one, f- and she has a supporting actress one for uh, for Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah, mm. yeah. Thank you, Stuart. And she is nominated almost every year. And she's nominated even, almost every even year, even when she's in doubt and doesn't deserve it. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah. So like this idea, it felt like this idea that like, and maybe they were just trying to spin it so that people weren't mad that Viola Davis didn't win, yeah. but it seemed like they were trying to put a, this spin on it of like. Finally, Hollywood has recognized I mean, the eternally unrecognized Meryl Streep. I will say for it's like there's not Susan Lucci. I will here. say on her behalf though that she is, um, she is almost the female equivalent of uh, Christopher Plummer in that she always has a very like funny and graceful. Oh no, yeah, speech. well no, she's a class act. Yeah. But yeah, I have nothing against her. It's not against her. Yeah, that we that I have. It's just against this. Like the uh, they if, maybe even in her. It was somewhere in the intro for her. It was like. She's been nominated all these many times and since the '80s, and she's never won. It's like she has two, like, mm. and her her reputation and her legacy are secure. There are yeah. a lot of she people is who the are actress that every other actress pretty much wishes they were. Like, yeah, there are... and have a career that spanned this much much time, especially for an actress, is really challenging. Yeah, then there are actresses like Rachel Weisz, who I like a lot, who at some point may be totally forgotten, except for the fact that she has an Academy Award. Whereas Meryl Streep is not going to be forgotten. Like, her body of work will last on longer than probably any other actress working today. Luckily, so. movies like Dreamhouse come along <laughs> to give Rachel Weiss a little bit of work. To really cement them. Yeah. Oh, man. But anyway, the nominees we're going to talk about. So I said, let's say one thing nice, and then I started complaining about a bunch of shit. Because so. uh, I bring it up, if only, because there were a lot. There was a fair amount of, of uh, dissent about the, uh, the choice. There was No nominations for the dissent. Yep. Well, <laughs> that was a few years ago. <laughs> well, no, that's nothing for best best blind hum- cannibal cave dwellers. <laughs> well, let's, let's backtrack a, b- a bit, Elliot. What 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 would you have had win best visual effects if not? Oh, uh, either Rise of Planets or Tree of Life. Okay. Tree of Life. The the creation of the universe sequences in Tree of Life were beautiful and also you could tell done with practical effects. Yeah. They looked real, and a lot of those effects were like pouring liquids through other liquids and, and shooting it at the right speed so it looked like clouds of stars and, and space dust. No, that and was things. an amazing sequence. It was fantastic. And I've and like as much as Rise of the Planet of the Apes 
was really good visually. I felt a lot of that was acting and not necessarily the effects. Because the apes we, did not look like real apes. We can agree that like Hugo winning in that category is a was weird, ridiculous. weird bandwagon. It's ludicrous. I mean, winning Hugo winning in cinematography is ludicrous also. It, as like, opposed to Tree of Life. As opposed, or as opposed to... Like as opposed to Tree of Life, definitely, but even like a movie like Drive, which was not nominated, mm. you know. Yeah. Like Tree of Life was a beautiful movie that was made almost entirely, except for like the dinosaurs and some things, with objects that exist in the real world. And I feel like a lot of the art of a cinematographer is taking real reality and showing it in a different way. And Hugo is <clears throat> almost nothing in that movie is real, you know. It's, yeah. And so many, there's so many shots of like the camera flying really Except fast into Baron and out of Cohen's buildings. Wit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I like, well, that's the thing. Sasha Baron Cohen is really good in that movie. Like, I would have rather seen him be nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Hugo than like Jonah Hill for Moneyball. You know? Yeah, but you, you hate Jonah Hill. I don't hate him. I just don't like him. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, He's all right, I guess. I mean, I think that's a fair statement. Yeah. What, that I hate Jonah Hill? No. Because I don't. That, no, that, uh, that Sasha Baron Cohen deserved a nomination. I feel like he, he brought a lot out of what could have been a very flat character, or very one-dimensional character. And like his, especially considering Borat and Bruno, like his acting in Hugo is so expertly like modulated and like Yeah, he's still a very eccentric, over-the-top character, but it's a believable human version of yeah, that. Yeah, and he doesn't rely on like, catchphrases or you know the kind of crutches he has in, in no Bruno i think or, he's i think he's fantastic in that i think he's great in sweeney todd like yeah if he I, is if i had todd. my brothers uh, yeah if i had my way that's my uh, nickname for the movie brothers brothers smothers brothers <laughs> if i had my elliot's nickname for the movie brothers i would see uh sasha baron cohen in those sort of peter sellers supporting roles yeah in movies so that you could watch a ton of movies 30 years from now that are not very good, but Peter Sellers is in them? Man, I tried to watch, uh, like, uh, the Pink... The, speaking of Christopher Plummer, I tried to watch the Pink Panther movie that he's in. That's a good one. Which is one of the good ones. Yeah, that's the third one. That's a good one. And I still, like... like I think it's the third one. It's, like, 15 Return minutes the before Pink Pe- Peter Sellers shows up at the beginning of the movie, and then just any scene that he is not in is death. Like, I don't know about still, death, but it's not. He's the only thing that holds it together. That movie is so slow. Like that's the weird thing about like, not just that movie, but I feel like a lot of comedies of that era. It's just like yeah, okay, we're gonna have we're gonna have one comedic element of that, and then there's just gonna be like just gonna be like a regular movie, but around it, but we're not gonna make that movie as good because <laughs> this is a comedy. So you're just gonna have to wait for that one funny guy to show up I mean, again. That was basically '60s comedies, yeah. yeah. But Peter Sellers made a lot of movies like Smallest Show on Earth and. Uh, Heavens Above or whatever it's called, <laughs> where it's like you're watching and you're like, why is this even a movie? Like what like I'm glad Peter Sellers was getting a paycheck and I like this character he's playing, but like, yeah, there's no movie here. There's like nothing going on. Well well best uh, to go back to best supporting actor, that was a category that there was a fair amount of contention because yeah. both Albert Brooks was not nominated. Should have been nominated. He should have been nominated, yeah. And I I would argue I really like Pat Oswalt's performance in, in Young, Young Adult. Adult. He was good in that too. Um, those were those were too widely. What, what, how do you feel about those snubs? I mean, Dan? They, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, I was gonna talk. <laughs> you can talk, got, Dan. Who all got nominated? We got uh, Nick Nolte, Christopher Plummer, Christopher Plummer, jo- Jonas Hill, Hill, Brad Pitt. Uh, no, that was for Best Actor. I thought he got nominated for Best Supporting for Tree of Life. Did he? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I know that what's his face, uh, Max Van Sydow, did. Max oh, yeah, Max should Sido. not have been nominated. I can say 
with authority without having seen that movie. Oh, I have seen it, and he is the best thing in the movie. What's this? Yeah. But he was nominated for Extremely Loud and Incredibly Crappy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he is the best thing in that movie, but did he, I feel he, like that was a career nomination. Didn't like, he win Max for Sido Strange is, Brew? <laughs> For best, yeah, I think he did. Best uh, villain. Oh, you know what? He won. He won, <laughs> he won best. He won best actor award. for Needful Things. That's <laughs> what it was. Yeah. You're thinking of Mel. You're, th- you're thinking of Mel Blank's uh, nomination for Strange Brew for uh, their unseen father. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He. I think that was. A, I feel a a career nomination. He's in his 80s. He's one of the kind of towering actors of world film from his work with Ingmar Bergman. So like, they were like, yeah, we'll throw him in. But he is the best acting in that movie. But that's probably partly because he's not in a lot of it. And most of the movie is dominated by that irritating kid. Yeah. I mean, I, w- yeah, I think that... They should have nominated the dog from The Artist. I think that Albert Brooks, no, I would have liked to have seen him in there. Albert Brooks definitely should have been. Like, as, and I like Patton Oswalt's performance in Young Adult, but Albert Brooks' performance in Drive, again, like there's so much in that performance and he doesn't and he does it in a way that always feels real the entire time yeah like he's the most even be not being the hero of the movie he's the most real and like most sympathetic character in the whole movie i feel like yes and like and he draws that out of it like it's not necessarily written that way it's written that way but he draws a lot out of it um any other uh, gripes with the categories guys uh well what are the what are we talking about other not well I mean other nominees or other other snubs snubs there were snubs or I don't want like it's such a boring it is really such a boring uh, uh to be Oscar honest year. I I gotta admit I have not seen I did not see that many of the uh, the best picture nominees I saw a fair number of them I I didn't get around to see War Horse because I, I don't like seeing War animals Horse. in danger. <laughs> That's why I like you. Do, that's why. In that's why you time. you had to leave the rescuers down under. Yeah, in the I, middle of the film. Yeah, of course. And arachnophobia. I'm like, what are they going to do to those spiders? <laughs> Allie, it's just, our, this is Stu- like a spider holocaust. Yeah. Stuart still doesn't know if those rescuers ever got back uh, up above after being down under. Yeah. And uh, Five Head Goes West. Couldn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Even anthropomorphic. Uh, you know. Um. So I didn't. See, yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that. Nor and I guys. I know you think that the artist is like that's right up my alley. I did not see that. I know okay. you love silent films. Mm-hmm. You love French movies. Mm-hmm. You're a huge thing? fan of movies where James Cromwell plays a butler. <laughs> yep. These I, are all right up your I alley. I did not have a lot of passion about like going to see a lot of these nominated films. Like I still haven't seen the artist. I think I would probably enjoy. I think it, you'd enjoy the artist. But the artist I, I get is the a, impression that I would not love it. It's a pretty middle of the road movie in a lot of ways. I liked it a lot, but. It was not one of the movies that I saw it, and then it stuck with me afterwards. Like yeah. Tree of Life, I saw and it really stuck with me. Midnight in Paris really stuck with me. Like yeah, Planet of the Apes one. stuck with me more than the artist did. Like the artist and Hugo really stuck with me. Like the artist is not a, is a fun movie, and it's a really well made movie, but it's not. There's not a lot of things there. Like it's a very thin movie, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's a movie where I don't need to spoil things. Sure. So it's a silent movie star. They tell him you're gonna have to make sound films, and he's like, no. I'm not gonna do it, and then his life falls apart, and the whole movie you're like, it's almost it's almost like the movie forgets that the main character could at any point decide to just change his career a little bit, and everything would be fine. Like, yeah, the problems are of his own making. He makes them himself, yeah. like in the movie Hugo, where the problem is that uh, everyone's just he makes like a robot not or some shit, right? To each other. 
and they're just they're just grumping around and never asking anyone for help. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That was Hugo. the problem in Hugo. Yeah. And my wife. I like Hugo. I just didn't like it as much as you. I liked all. it a lot. I mean, but the I didn't like the story in Hugo so much as I liked the what what Martin Scorsese what the emotion he put into it from himself, you know, and like the scenes where okay. Well, kind of like the story is like, oh, he goes and does this, and he finds out this thing, and whatever. But you could tell that the guy who was making the movie really identified with this character, and that when he starts learning about the history of silent film, that like the people making this movie are really excited. Like it's one of those movies where well, if you cut off the first hour of Hugo, I would like it. If I watched the second hour, I'd be like, oh, this is pretty good. <laughs> it's a movie where like, but this... then you'd have no Jude Law and, and uh, Jude Law's, and no, Ray Winstone no. would only be a dead body. You're talking about, what, AI? <laughs> no, Hugo. Hugo? Oh, yeah, that's right. I totally forgot Jude Law and Ray Winstone were in it. Yeah, they're both in it in the very beginning. <laughs> well, Jude Law's in flashbacks. Yeah. Yeah, same with Ray Winstone, except his dead body. That's right. His are flashbacks, too. But it, when they show, it's the kind of movie where when he's learning about old silent film, they show you footage from real old silent films, and they don't have, like, act, they don't put, like, a silent film filter on footage of, uh, like, Ben Kingsley walking around ben doing Grisby, stuff. Ben Grisby, sure. Ben Grisby. <laughs> it's like... Uh, Crang Mingzy. It was, it was like uh, when they did... Uh, when Frost Nixon came out a year or two ago and they tried to restage the interviews with the uh, the characters from the film and instead of using actual like footage of these people, they put like Oliver Platt in his character's makeup yeah, doing as if this it was, interview. Yeah, and that as was... As if it was actual footage. And that was ridiculous. Yeah. I didn't see... Like there was no point to that. But you liked what they did with Hugo. Where they used the real old footage. Yeah. Um, I, of, was it was it in 3D? I didn't see it in 3D. It was, and it didn't need to be. That's the thing is, I was... No, what, I mean like the old-timey stuff was like was the silent like, stuff. Sort of. It was more like the image came out at you, but it wasn't like, well, we'll take this old Buster Keaton movie and we'll make it into 3D. It was more like as if the you were watching a TV and the TV screen was moving towards you. Okay. Like the silent films were not like made three D, like but in Poltergeist or something, or a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, I know this is a really important uh, conversation to hash out. Okay, but, what's uh, up? I think we can. I think, I think we can put the Oscars to bed. Okay. Well, we've already put our listeners to bed. Uh, yeah, I think we can move on. <laughs> our Hugo cast <laughs> to the. Uh, Are we going to move on to, to the more important awards to the Flop Academy Flop 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 so, Awards? Yeah. Four thumbs up and a boner for the Oscars, uh, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, was it a good bad Oscars, a bad bad Oscars, or an Oscars you kind of liked a little bit? It's a real stroke party, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that would indicate that it was at least fun for one person. <laughs> uh, and possibly a cat. So, Dan. <laughs> Depending on how you do it. Yeah. So we're going to give out our the, the floppies. The okay. most coveted award It's in uh, the shape in of a, a golden disc. <laughs> golden disc? Yeah, like a floppy disk. Okay. Uh, You're older than me, Dan. You know what a floppy disk is. Sure. Um, so we all we all we all we all have a few here to give out. So I, why don't I start off? Okay. Okay. Why don't you start off? I'm gonna give out uh, first first award goes to actor that sounds most like an auto part, and that goes to Cam Gajandit, <laughs> uh, who also received the coveted Shredded Like Lettuce Award. And the Josh Hartnett Memorial Award for Most Irritating Squint. So, <laughs> wow, so a good year for Cam. Cam really, he really rolled through this year. For Cam. 
Strong year for Cam Gajandit. Jugandit? Gijanday. Gijanday. Just I I kind of want to call into car talk now and say that my Cam Gajandit is all out of line. <laughs> Frickin' uh frack, right? Those yeah, are... the Tapper brothers. Or Tapit brothers. Uh anyone else do we want to rotate? Sure, I'll, we can rotate through. Sure. Um I, my categories are a little different. Uh I had uh best audience audience sympathy role reversal went to Green Lantern. For making an audience of nerds root for a handsome jock who was about to beat up a brainiac in a wheelchair. Okay. So, best audience sympathy role reversal. Green that, and now, now being nerds, uh, we really identified with that, right? I really identified with the hor- horrific villain who was with in a wheelchair. Lumpy, yeah, with the big lumpy with head. The gross mustache and a lumpy I think his head. His name was Lumpy Head. What a great. A lumpy head. I knew you'd be behind this. Lumpy Head is terrorizing the city. <laughs> Where is Green Lantern? Lumpy Head is on a rampage. <laughs> um, the uh, my, my first award is for um, most erotic, fully clothed sexual performance. Okay. And that goes to, of course, Nicolas Cage in Drive Angry. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because. Uh, Nicholas Cage won for my word for angriest driving for drive angry. <laughs> well, I mean, as long as we're giving Nick, Nicholas Cage <laughs> plot that's, it's out, it's not the only one I have. So. All right, well, uh, maybe I'll save it then. Oh, we know you can go. Uh, I, I'm going to give the cagiest Cage Award to Trespass Cage, which for me beat out Sorcerer's Apprentice Cage, Drive Angry Cage, and Season of the Witch Cage. I gave best hair. To Nicolas Cage for all of them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Well, what kind of an award is that? Is that it's a golden disc, right? Best it's not, hair. It's a golden okay. disc, but it has a wig on it. <laughs> it. Has a hideous wig on it. So Nicolas Cage for all of them. Um, the my next award is for most believable English accent in a totally terrible movie. Is a double award to both Danny McBride and James Franco in Your Highness. <laughs> Not even a flophouse <laughs> movie. Flop movie. Just, just a movie that was from this last year and uh, was, I think, drawn for the least fun I had watching a movie all year long. Wow, yeah. what was the other one? The other one was wait, let me let me peruse my notes. Uh, oh shit, I totally forgot to write it down. So Your Highness is uh, alone. <laughs> the winner. <laughs> For the least fun you had in a movie. <laughs> okay, well... Uh, that was that one, my, actually, I'll give that in a word just now, for movie that was most sold on the presence of a butt in it. <laughs> and now, no one's won not that award a, since Entrapment. Not even a totally nude butt, just not, a butt well, and a thong. Well, Entrapment won it with a butt that was through oh. a pair of pants, yeah. so... <laughs> I think uh, I think they tried to do that with uh, the that, that Scottish movie, the... What's the, the post Yeah, Macbeth. Yeah, you're not supposed no, to say it. apocalyptic one. Oh, uh, Doomsday. Doomsday, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's well, right. That, that's the, the, well, I, yeah, I, I mean, that's a great, great butt. <laughs> I, I'll get on board with that one. Uh, it's a butt with an accent. Officially, the assies aren't announced until next week, so let's <laughs> sure. stick with the floppies. Um, so this is the Golden Civ Award for a movie I've most completely forgotten that we watched, and that goes to Beastly, which may just be because oh, that was right. in the blooper episode. But still, almost completely erased from my mind, uh, Eternal Sunshine style. So, yeah. Beastly. For a second, I thought you said Beasley, like That's Mrs. Awesome. Beasley. I'd, I'd given that award to Skyline. Oh, yeah. right. We watched Skyline. <laughs> See, okay, that's the, that's I'm the reaction th- I was hoping for. <laughs> I'm going to give it to Skyline also. <laughs> I kind of forgot that existed. Uh, here's a serious one. Uh, for Best Actor, I give it to Gary Oldman. Not for Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, although he's very good in that. 
but for the moment in Red Riding Hood, when Lucas Haas asked if he can touch Gary Oldman's sword, and Gary Oldman goes, no. <laughs> As if he's barely thinking about it, and he's already leaving the conversation. No. <laughs> uh, he's a real pro. He is. That was a beautiful moment in a movie. Otherwise, terribly boring, except for the existence of a giant cast iron elephant that people were burned to death in. Hey guys, I want to I want to calm things down a little bit okay, and go back it. to something that we taped earlier in the day, okay? This is for the Lifetime Achievement Award for longest <laughs> movie we ever watched for the Flophouse, and that goes to The Happiest Millionaire. Yeah, well earned. Well earned. It was very long. Due, I think is the term. It was due for that award. <laughs> uh, I have uh, here the Paul Walker Award for being a black hole of charisma, and that goes for Alex Pettifer, star of I'm Number 4 and Beastly. He is, yeah, he is has nothing at all to offer a film. <laughs> he has no charisma, no star power. What about abs? He's got, he's shredded like lettuce, mm-hmm. that's true. He but was not as much as Kim Gijande. Not as good at much as Kam Jagajan Ja. Uh, like Do you want me to go again? Sure. Okay. Uh, for best twists, it's Trespass. Oh, wait, no, I, I read that wrong. I'm sorry. The category is most twists, <laughs> not best twists, merely most, because there are eight or nine twists in that movie. They run. The, they this run. It's all new to me. I yeah. Well, watch the, it. the twists run the gamut from it turns out we have no money to no, we actually do have a lot of money to we want to take your daughter's kidney to we don't want the kidney, just the money. <laughs> um, and I didn't get get into the affair that Nicole Kidman didn't have. Yeah. Uh, so the the last award that I'm going to give out, guys, goes. Oh, I've got a uh, bunch more. Goes to the uh, the Flophouse movie this year that had the least limits, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is The Roommate. <laughs> wow, a huge upset. Bradley Cooper is steamed. He is so unhappy. Expertly awarded. I think he, he was about out of his chair already and then <laughs> sat back then, down. And then Billy Zane just pushed him down and got up to accept the award. <laughs> yep, and while that, he's up uh, there, the while he's up there, he can accept another award, Best Hats. <laughs> <laughs> the roommate special achievement in hats this year. So uh, this award uh, was given out actually earlier at our technical flop house awards, <laughs> sure. hosted by uh, Amanda Bynes. And <laughs> this is the uh, "What if Penny Met a Dinosaur" award for strangest premise, and that goes to Gooby, where Robbie Coltrane was a giant living teddy bear. Uh, it's the movie that makes you believe in magic and then makes you wish you didn't. Oh, I wish I'd seen that one. I missed it. Uh, this is this is a categ- word. this is a very contentious category every year. It's going to be a lot of buzz on the blogs afterwards. But whether okay. we chose the right one, best commercial for TGI Fridays disguised as a movie, <laughs> and the winner is Zookeeper. <laughs> Zookeeper. Uh, this is this is my final award. I don't know. You, I see you have a couple more left. I have a couple, but I don't have to announce them all. This is my final award. Uh, the Cold Shower Award goes to Sucker Punch. For making me feel guilty about every erection I've ever had. Sure. You weren't already guilty about all those erections? Uh, look, uh, I wasn't raised uh, with a tradition of guilt like you. No, guilt. It's called guilt. <laughs> okay. It's chocolate coins that you get at Hanukkah. <laughs> I see. Uh, I have a special award, Best Supporting Actor. I'm going to give it to Eric Zuckerman for My Soul to Take. <laughs> <laughs> great guy. Former Flophouse co-host. Former Flophouse co-host. Eric current Flophouse friend, Eric Zuckerman. <laughs> great work in your... Four or five minutes of screen Nothing time. Nothing but nice things to say about the you. The killer didn't call him bitch at any point, though, right? No, unfortunately. That's too bad. <laughs> uh, and, of course, 
Because uh, that's something you'd want on your tombstone. Mm-hmm. Pepperoni <laughs> and extra cheese. And birch. <laughs> uh, and of course, this is the big award. The big one. Best picture of the year. Okay. <laughs> and again, <laughs> a lot of lobbying, a lot of advertising, a lot of things. Uh, I think it's going to the artist. Uh, the artist is an early favorite. Oh no! Opening the envelope. Who saw this coming? Best picture goes to Tango and Cash. <laughs> For the 22nd year running, Tango and Cash has won Best Picture. Well, congratulations to Tango. Congratulations to Cash. And let's not forget the late Jack Palance. Look, the the, the freak from the castle has a brave face on. <laughs> he was really expecting to make it this year. I can't see the Invisible Maniac, but I assume he's crying. <laughs> Head of the family, I can really see his expression. It's huge. What a disappointment. Oh, but Tango and Cash couldn't be happier. Yeah. Look, there they are. They're high-fived, and now the picture is <laughs> taken of that, and it's in the newspaper. <laughs> and they're cleared. cleared of all They've been charges. cleared of all charges by winning this award. So, uh, so we, and we're having a lot of fun, but... Uh, Finally, let's end that. Yeah, let's wrap that up. Let's move on to letters from listeners. Flophouse letters. Letters for the Flophouse. An award for best song. Letters, 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 letters. Uh. Flophouse letters. (laughs) Okay, so uh, this uh, email is titled "Floptacular Predictions." Oh, okay. Uh, It's from Dan. Last name withheld. It says, "Just listen to last year's floptacular episode." I've been thinking who you would uh, who would win this year's Lifetime Achievement Award for Things Packed in Twos. I would like to see tennis balls <laughs> Was win that the award. award? We gave out? <laughs> that <was an> award. <laughs> I would like to see tennis balls win the award for Things Packed in Threes. I know over the last decade or so they have changed to four packs in some instances, but over the course of history, <laughs> I've always enjoyed the packaging. Yeah, but you're supposed to give the award for this year's work, Great not, look. not for Lifetime Achievement. Nice cap, fantastic smell after the can is opened. Thanks. Does he not know what this podcast is about? <laughs> he may think it's a tennis cast. Yeah, has he confused us with the Pete Sampras house? <laughs> Isn't that the term for when they package two like uh, two older porno magazines and then sneak a third one with the cover ripped off <laughs> yeah. in there? Okay, I was not aware that they did that. One that yeah, yeah. one that's like something you would not yeah, be like, interested in, like pregnant babes and stuff yeah. like that, <laughs> grannies and whatnot. Yeah. Grannies and whatnot. You know what? I think I at first I thought it was that there weren't a lot of granny fetishists out there, but now I think it's that we have whatnot in the title of our porn magazine. People just don't know what to expect. <laughs> well, that's I, the well, thing you don't know what the title is because the cover's been ripped off. Well, jugs and etc. has been doing pretty good. <laughs> Well, et cetera means more of the same. Some people know they're getting more jugs, but whatnot, that could mean anything. It could be anything. It's a big question mark. It's like if you put it's out a porno movie, the title was just question mark. You wouldn't pick that up. You don't know what you're entering into. There could be anything between those covers. If there's anything, I, there, I That requires a lot of years trust. in the pornographic industry is that people have very specific fetishes, things they're into. And they do not want to be surprised. <laughs> I don't want to be looking for a picture of an anthropomorphic dolphin having sex with an anthropomorphic fox. Turn the page. There's a granny there. I don't want to grab completely that human. Shot very photorealistically. I mean, this is why anthropomorphic. This is why our twin experiments, porn grab bag, huge failure, and barely legal and miscellaneous, huge failure. Well, yeah, but that was a way we could use up the pictures that didn't fit in the other magazines. Again, failure. People aren't interested in that. They want to know what they're getting. Here's two words that don't go together, okay? 
Masturbation and surprise. <laughs> you don't want to be surprised when you're masturbating, okay? About to climax. <laughs> and shock. <laughs> All right, well... Uh... <laughs> That's why our other magazine, hey, look at this. <laughs> People didn't even know what tone it was in. Hey, look at this was our was our second worst selling magazine after question mark. Yeah, it could be. Hey, look at this. It will disgust you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, we have a lot of these conversations. Often cataloged improperly <laughs> next to the Rangers Rick and whatnot. And then we get a lot of angry letters from a lot of angry parents who thought they were buying nature themed pornography. Uh, Rangers Rick. <laughs> this email is titled That Minnesota Guy's Offer is No Good. And this is referring back. To a while ago. To Jesse Ventura? Uh, as a recent flop convert, I've been working my way through your old episodes. When you watched Delgo, you got an email from a listener in Minnesota who offered to let you watch movies at his house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> his house? I can do better than that. I can offer you an entire theater with seats and paying customers, hopefully. Mm -hmm. I am a projectionist at the Trilon Micro Cinema here in Minneapolis. Wow. We're a 50-seat non-profit theater that shows a combination of retrospectives and new independent films. We're also host of such series as Trash Film Debauchery. That sounds like something you'd like, Dan. Yes. Yeah. And The Defenders, in which one person picks a critically unloved film and defends it before an audience. Oh. Sounds like Elliot. So, <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Yeah. How about it, floppers? Care to come to Minnesota and do a live show? I'll cover the theater. You keep the sure-to-be lucrative box office. To sweeten the deal, I've come up with attractions suited to each of your personalities. Stuart, there's a brewery just two blocks from the theater. I a like gym that. brewery. <laughs> <laughs> they make gym brewers there. <laughs> Elliot. It's like a frat house, basically, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Elliot, there's a Popeyes nearby. Interesting. Plus, Minnesota Midwestern has Popeyes. a lot of words that sound like other words. Dan, Minnesota's home to racist, homophobic militia nut, <laughs> Michelle Bachman. <laughs> so you're sure to fit right in. Ian, last name withheld. Well, I don't like that last part. It totally fits with your personality, as according to what I said and what Stuart said in this podcast. Uh, hooks with, for hands, right? Yeah, does okay. she have hooks for hands? I don't think so. Uh, you can't, you can't answer. Um, well, I think it sounds pretty good. If he'll cover the cost of travel and lodging, yeah, that's the, uh, we'll that's pay the for our issue. meals and for our in-city transportation. Sure. Something. Uh, Minneapolis is a lovely city for one third of the year. I uh, <laughs> lived there briefly. <laughs> and uh, no, but seriously, folks. Yeah, well, uh, I love Minneapolis. I'm just waiting, waiting, hoping to find Maxiapolis at some point. <laughs> very small city. Very small city. <laughs> as soon as I can convince you guys to go, I'm down. I'm ready. Okay. Well, we, we should hop, hop in our old double sidecar <laughs> motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> so who drives the motorcycle? <laughs> Dan, Dan, uh, I would think Dan would. He's kind of yeah. in charge. Yeah, probably. And and I'm, I'm going to be way too drunk to be driving a well, motorcycle. Well, you're passed out in the sidecar, and I'm with the you know what, Stuart, in the other sidecar. Yep. The next email speaks to that very issue. So, oh, okay. uh, let's, well, let's let's say to him, make it worth our while, mm -hmm. and we'll go to your 50 seat Minneapolis theater. Yeah. And by make it worth our while, I mean pay for our plane tickets. Maybe we'll pay for it with the box office from all those fans that come out. Yeah. How much we're going to have to charge for if it's a 50 seat theater? Ten million dollars. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not very good at math. Though. I don't know math. That's why I got into comedy writing. Um, the glue of the flop house is the next email. Mm -hmm. Must the be about The glue of the flop house. <laughs> Dear flopaholics, for years you guys have been pushing the lie that Dan is the Leonardo of the group, where he is the one who makes sure the discussion stays on topic and keeps everything organized. Yet who? is the one who always makes a segue back into the film during a classic Flophouse tangent. Who says, 
Right. When a joke peters <laughs> off so the discussion can move to a different topic. Who, when gone, the podcast meanders a bit more than usual? That's right. The one and only Stuart Wellington. Stuart Wellington. It. Maybe it's time Fucking Dan... Cyclops over here. <laughs> Maybe it's time Dan takes the place as the wacky friend and Stuart takes his rightful place as the serious leader of the group. If only for one episode, like Freaky Friday or vice versa. At least Wait, walking. We're gonna watch <laughs> vice versa. <laughs> no, or like father, like son, or eighteen okay. again. Uh, at least walking around in the other one's shoes might stop their constant off-podcast fighting. Remember the immortal wor- words of Shakespeare: "To thine own self be true." Sincerely, Brian. Last name withheld. So that would make you the Cyclops, Stuart. Mm-hmm. Dan is certainly not the Wolverine. So what is he like? The Nightcrawler? Yeah, I mean, or the Beast? Yeah, I think I could be the Beast. Yeah, okay. uh, Beast is pretty cool. Beast is not, uh, like, really cool, but, you know, he'll pass. Okay, and I assume I'm, like, Banshee? You're something. You're, what, you're Sunspot? Like Ford. You're, like you're, Sunspot. You're, you're Cyclock. <laughs> Cyclock. So the guy was a clock instead of an eye? <laughs> How do you pronounce that? Oh, well, Psylocke? Yeah, I'm um, So I'm the sexy Asian yeah, ninja yeah, with you. an English accent? Yep. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I'm jealous. It does mean I have a lot more wedgies than most other superheroes. <laughs> Uh yeah well uh what Brian last name withheld mm, I disagree with you sir I'm w- I can't handle that responsibility maybe we should try it sometime though you never know you shouldn't doubt yourself okay maybe, so next time I'll bring all the podcasting equipment which <laughs> I'm guessing is I don't like a tape recorder or something I don't and uh and we'll, we'll do it at my, my later with my a bunch house. of cores <laughs> yep you'll just meander in probably ten minutes late. Uh, and then go into a long spiel that you've been rehearsing on the whole walkover. <laughs> that sometimes goes over and sometimes doesn't make that much sense. Yeah, of course. Then you'll finish your own bit by asking if it, asking us if it was a bit. <laughs> it's going to be tough. But I, I think you can handle it, Dan. This last one is actually a very touching story. So uh, get ready to touch yourself. Better not, better not be a familiar. <laughs> There's been a lot of talk about masturbating on the, on the show tonight. We need a movie to distract us from masturbating. Uh, this it's, one. Some movies distract you the other way. Wait, what? Some movies make you do that. What are you talking about? Like they force you to, Stuart. Yeah, you have no choice. Yeah. Well, like a, like a, like a movie that makes you masturbate. Yeah. That's like well, the like ring. Yeah, so like yeah, you're watching one of those movies like Peter Pan, where they're like Tinkerbell's dying. Only masturbating will bring her back to life. Mm. Come on, everybody in the audience. Well, like yeah. one of those horror movies where you watch it and it makes you die, you like it. it makes you kill yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, Fern Gully. Yeah. Okay. So this is <laughs> second titled... Fern Gully reference of the night. <laughs> Thank you, and you're welcome. A tale of Flophouse romance. Well, hello. First, this is not another slash fiction story, no, no, is it? That's no. what I was expecting. <laughs> First. So I, go on. I cannot hear another story about me licking Popeye's grease off of either of you ever again. Uh, I just wanted to thank you for putting out the podcast. Because well, you're desensitized at this point. <laughs> it's like you desensitize the tip of your penis and can't get hard. Uh, yeah, let us Dan just read this letter. Uh, thank you for putting out the podcast, my favorite podcast, etc. Thank you very much. Sorry fact, for this episode. <laughs> a few weeks ago, I was listening to the Conan episode of the podcast while scanning some means books with Nan. in the library. A mindless text, a mindless task made bearable only by podcasts. Although I'd listened to this episode two times before, I still found myself nearly doubled over in laughter by the time that Elliot as Connery finished off the updated Zardoz ad with, <laughs> You're the Zardoz now, dog. 
However, notice he had a throne as fucking Connery. Yeah, I gotta show unlike off. most Michael times, Michael Caine's coming up soon too. <laughs> However, unlike most times when I've been in a similar situation, the people around me either ignore my laughter or stare at me like I'm insane. This time, I was tapped on the shoulder. I turned around to see a beautiful girl, and instead of asking if I would stop hogging the scanner, she asked what was so funny. Flabbergasted, I told her it was a bad movie podcast that was making fun of Zardoz. <laughs> and at this point, Usually. I assume she screamed and ran away. <laughs> to my further surpl- surprise, she asked me if she could hear it, and since I'm an average flop listener and she was gorgeous, I acquiesced immediately and watched as she began laughing at Elliot's horrible impersonation and description of what actually happens in Zardoz. <laughs> Horrible. After she handed I my... I studied with Sean Connery for years. <laughs> After she handed my iPod back to me, we began talking about other bad movies we both liked and both realized that we didn't have any friends that wanted to go to a midnight showing of The Room later that week. Not wanting to let this opportunity get away from me, I asked her out for dinner and The Room, and I'm happy to report that we've been on a number of dates since then, during which I've gotten her to become a new subscriber to your podcast. So I That's just wanted to say, <laughs> thank you for enabling a chance to meet my new girlfriend, and you're welcome for swelling your subscriber roles by one. Keep on flopping in the free world. Mike, last name withheld. P.S. Is there any chance for a live Flophouse event in Washington, D.C.? I know Elliot considers our city a boring eyesore, as when heard did I in say the that? Invasion episode. <laughs> when did I say that? that Apparently like the, in the Invasion episode. I guess so. Well, it is boring, but I like the public statuary. But our population is about 83% students who love bad movies. I saw, I, you know, last when I went to D.C. recently, I was struck by how lovely our I actually like a lot of the things. And maybe it was just that Invasion showed the, the more boring parts of the city, yeah. like the malls and things. Or not malls, but, you know, the, the office buildings. The, the malls of America that they have. <laughs> that was a camp. touching story. That was really great. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they're broken up by now. Oh, that's terrible, Dan. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. <laughs> just look. Thanks I mean... for nothing. Well, that's, I'm very glad that we could help in some way to get mm-hmm. this young Flophouse listener... Uh, some affection. Mm-hmm. And, like a uh, modern day Cyrano. Yep. Yeah. A modern day Cyrano. Basically, what? C. Some, Martin. Someday we'll work up to B. Renault or A. Renault. I mean, if we can, you know, if we can. <laughs> yeah, Steve Martin, basically. basically. Yeah. If we can get one nerd laid out there, then it's all been worth then it. Then the past few years of doing this podcast <laughs> are worth it. And yeah. uh, and thanks for giving us another listener. And I feel like a live event in D.C. is eminently more doable than Minneapolis. Yeah. Because we could just take a train down there. I agree. And that's how they make honey. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we should now go on to... Bees, uh... really? <laughs> yeah, it's made with bees. No kidding. It's all bees and beeswax. This is a joke Funny, that, huh? I, like, it's... You're it, going to cut out, so. It's not going to play on the air, because <laughs> the whole point was I stopped the tape to save it, and then... But you're explaining it now, so... Well, we, sure. can, we can pick up from where we left off, then. Okay. Like, uh, I think we could... Uh, Washington, D.C. screening would be eminently doable. If someone in Washington, D.C. wants to do some of the legwork and figure out where that could be done, uh, then that would be a cool thing to do. Yeah. And uh, if this uh, if this relationship survives a little longer too, I would love to hear it. Yeah, wait, you love to wait, hear the what? relationship? No, I just I want to make sure that You're my... a, you are sick. <laughs> so yeah. you heard him. You heard him, Flophouse fans. Get make a tape of you having <laughs> not, sex and send it to Pervasoid Number that. One, Dan McCoy. Mister, your girlfriend's photos. butt looks nice, McCoy. <laughs> Wife, 
your wife's butt looks like. I was, the, I was going through our old... You didn't our, like his girlfriend's butt, is what you're saying. No, yeah, just, what's wrong with his girlfriend's butt, Dan? Oh, God. I just want my cynicism to not be uh, borne out. I, want I was to know going through the, whether this, the previous... This relationship survives. That's I was sure. going through the previous year's Flophouse episodes in preparation for this, <laughs> and I went back and listened to the... The controversy, uh, controversy over the you asking if that was the guy's wife in the video. <laughs> <laughs> Look, people want to know. People yeah. named Dan McCoy who are pervs want to know. He I'm wants a person. <laughs> you're taking that away from me, Ellie. You're, you're a. Say, you're, are you dehumanizing me? I only in that you're a pervisoid. <laughs> A robot cyborg a, designed to look, be a pervisoid. Sexuality is a three-dimensional pervisoid. Of being a yes. human, Elliot. Just because you're uncomfortable with it doesn't mean that it's not a valid... Uh, I'm totally comfortable with it. Yeah. So yeah, send in that tape. Don't Popeye's grease off anybody's hands. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we hope you're still together, and uh, keep on rocking in D.C. Okay. So uh, this is the part where we normally make recommendations, but because this is sort of a end-of-the-year <clears throat> retrospective... I thought the we same could maybe place everyone does their end of the year retrospectives in February, uh, in, I mean, uh, on Leap Day. On Leap Day, <laughs> it's not miles off. I mean, you know, some people do it on uh, in January after uh, the year is actually over, mm-hmm. rather than trying to jump the gun and doing December like everyone else. Wow, you really thought about this. It really makes you mad. Uh, but uh, no, I just like uh, you know we should talk about a couple movies maybe from the last year that we enjoyed, uh, and we don't need to do. Maybe full recommendations. We can just rattle off a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. But, um, Elliot, why don't you go? Why don't you go? That reminds me of a movie I really enjoyed this year. A little movie called Hugo. <laughs> you, Dan? <laughs> All right, man, I'm just going to go off. Well, the I, other room and I actually didn't see, I saw a lot fewer new movies this year than I usually do. And I think just because it was a busy year and there wasn't a lot in the theaters that was like really driving me to go see it right away mm-hmm. uh so i feel like i don't have a lot at rec to recommend that are not already well-known movies. like i wish sure. there was some like indie movie or foreign movie i saw that really was a really amazing and i want to tell everyone about it but i didn't but speaking of driving me to the theaters to see stuff here's another movie i like this year drive okay it's a really good segue <laughs> so much better than what i got prepared well let's hear it Stuart. uh Okay, well, um, yeah, I have, a, I have a pretty short list because I think I'm in the same boat as Elliot. I just didn't get out um, yeah. to the theaters as often. I was going through my list. I keep a list every year of the movies I've seen that year, and I saw way more movies for the Flophouse than I did like in the theaters, yeah, was movies a... I wanted to see. You know, um, Well, <laughs> the, there, were, there was two big-budget uh, big movies that I thought uh, were really good at what they were trying to do, and that was... Uh, Transformers 3. Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which in mm-hmm. a way kind of... List. They kind of both remind me of each other. Like, they were both very, very good at being either an action movie or a thriller, and I think all the elements kind of combined in all those movies. Like, yeah. the sound was great, uh, the direction was great, and I think in both cases it was primarily due to, a like, a great director. Um, and Mission Impossible had a good script. Like, it was a pretty yeah. tight, quick-moving script. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a couple laggy parts, but yeah, yeah. I, I'd agree with you. You know, I'm just going to quickly run down, like, several that I... I mo- speaking of running down, The Rundown. <laughs> with Sean William Scott. <laughs> with Sean William Scott and, who was it, The Rock? Yeah. Didn't even come out Dwayne this past year. Dwayne The Rock year. Johnson. <laughs> speaking of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Journey to <laughs> The Mysterious <laughs> Island. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm just going to run down... Um, I, I have more on here, but you know what? I'm just going to run down a few that uh, either... Uh, I feel we're underseen or slightly underappreciated. Mm. Um, and I, in that category, I would put Win Win, uh, Super 8, 
Attack the Block, uh, the Fright Night remake I enjoyed, uh, Red State, and the Adventures of Tintin. Uh, you should have said Tintin. Tintin. <laughs> what is that? Like a Tauntaun? I said I actually said it correctly. I mean, like that was not what people were making fun of me for. Tintin, oh, okay. like Tintin. A Tintin, the guy Ten-ten? Daniel Craig. No. Daniel Craig's character in Dreamhouse. This is actually the I sound that I'm making. But. Sure. I, you should have said win-win, Tintin, and then come up with another movie that rhymes with those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I forgot that I saw Attack the Block this year, actually, and I really liked that a lot. Uh, but, do you uh, have something else? I, the other one, I mean, the, basically the movies that stuck with me, aside from Attack the Block, that I saw this year were, they were just like all big movies. Hugo, Drive, Tree of Life, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and Midnight in Paris, which I did not expect to really stick in my mind like yeah. watching it it seemed like it was kind of like a lark <clears throat> like all right that was fun but it really like st- like i really felt it for a long time after i saw it in a yeah. way i hadn't expected from a woody allen movie in a long time you know did you uh did you did you list young adult uh well that i you know what i didn't read everything that i had written down here originally because i thought i i would stick to things that were underseen or underappreciated but i will say that i liked the things that elliot said uh, I also enjoyed uh, Tan Tan, Thor, uh, The Descendants, The Muppets, Young Adults, and uh, I agree with you on Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I liked some of those, but like Thor was like okay. Well, but Thor, I think was to to me like of the. I know that you really liked the X Men like, movie. Yeah, I liked no, X Men First Class the most. I, of the I think movies that get out of here. I think of the uh, <laughs> what a fucking turd of the superhero movies I saw this year. I enjoyed Thor the most. Uh. Yeah, I, I would I would probably say the the movie that you guys didn't list, unsurprisingly, is what uh, Bucky Larson. <laughs> no, uh, I think I think probably for a lower budget movie, my favorite movie of the year mm-hmm. would probably go to Black Death with Sean Bean. Well, I haven't seen that one. Uh, which is is manages to be both grim and interesting at the same time. Whereas too many movies like the Seasons of the Witch and whatnot are very. Uh, are very grim and humorless and just you lose your interest. Well, it completely loses your interest. Whereas black death for whatever reason, uh, probably in part because Sean Bean was great in it. Uh, mm-hmm. just kept me watching. Good actor. Good bean. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. top quality bean. I think for me, there's a lot of the movies that I like the Frida Pinto bean and, uh, rise of the planet of the apes. <laughs> really? Cause she was kind of not necessary at any point in that movie. <laughs> Really, if anyone had the word Pinto in the, it really <laughs> the, go there, the right? only problem I had with Rise of the Planet of the Apes was that the Andy was, Circus Bean, <laughs> <laughs> the human bean, the, uh, the Andy was, Circus Peanut. You mean? <laughs> oh man! Well, the, it should we get, do have fun here. No, oh, we certainly do. The, the listeners don't. But the the only problem they, I had with Rise of the Planet of the Apes was that neighbor that and that. And the guy who just like would just, stab people in the chest with his finger. His whole purpose was just to get mad at people and eventually spread the disease that destroyed the world. Spoiler alert! But there's the part where the scientist who works with James Franco, who has come down with his disease, where like blood is pouring down his mm-hmm. face, is banging on the door trying to get James Franco's attention. And the neighbor walks over, and is like, "Hey, what are you doing here? Hey, I'm talking. Get out of here!" And it's like, at a certain point, you really can't complain about someone knocking on the door of your neighbor's house, like. Yeah. At that, they just needed him to come into contact with that guy so badly. So they're like, "Well, I guess this character's just got to be a total asshole to everybody." The thing about a neighbor character in a movie is their main job should be to undress in front of open windows. <laughs> yeah. I think Dan can agree with me on this. <laughs> if, if body double, double has taught me anything. That's what it, that's what it's taught me. But the movies that 
that uh, struck me this year, a lot of them were movies that either were people working in, in relatively new people working in a medium they weren't used to, like Brad Bird working in live action. What? Oh, or, uh, but also things like movies that just kind of felt personal to people making them. Tree of Life felt that way. Hugo felt that way. Midnight in Paris felt that way to me. Like, as opposed to movies that were just kind of by the numbers or felt like they could have been made by anybody. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that. Well, guys, another year. Another year is kind of gone. We're another year older. Yeah, closer to death. I got to mm-hmm. do, do a quick plug before sure. we wrap up. And I have a plug, too. Uh, March 8th, You're going to have to edit this episode down, uh, Dan. If you guys will listen to this before March 8th in Brooklyn, New York, uh, Charlene's Bar, 353 Flatbush Avenue, we have a Purim party. To all you non-Jews, that's a costume party. Come on down. Uh, you don't have to be in a costume, but you should be. There's going to be a, uh, an acoustic metal band playing a, a original song for Purim. There's going to be hamantash and cookies and all kinds of stuff. And uh, raffles and cool prizes. And possibly the three of us. At least me. Almost definitely. I should be there. Uh, And my film screening series, Closely Watched Films, is coming to a close. Uh, There'll be, by the time this episode goes up, there'll be one screening left, uh, which will be the first Thursday in April. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be showing the movie The Good Fairy, which was one of the movies Preston Sturgis wrote before he started directing movies. It's a very funny movie and just kind of like a light, very... Uh, el, you know, graceful kind of comedy the way they used to do in the 30s. Uh, and I'll be joined by guest John Oliver of The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. And afterwards, we'll talk about comedy and that movie. And then I'll say farewell uh, to my screening series for the foreseeable future. So that's the first Thursday in April, 7.30 p.m., 92i Tribeca, which is on 200 Hudson Street in Manhattan. All right, guys. Well, uh, now that all the awards have uh, been given out, all there remains to say is... Good night, guys. And good luck, or? No, just good night. Oh, okay. And good luck, right? No, just good night. Uh, I've been Stuart Wellington. (laughs) I've been Dan McCoy. I think I'm still Elliot Kalen, but I'm kind of (laughs) tired. Good night. Yeah, but talking into a microphone, I'm probably the least experienced. Oh, yeah, maybe. That's true. Just trying you to because you were in that '80s hair metal band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and of course Dan did Elliot all, had, and Motley Crue. I Dan has had to testify in so many trials. <laughs> Elliot and Motley Crue, they kicked me out. Assholes. Yeah, Just they said you party too much. They said it was too hardcore for him. Yeah, too, you, I was too much of a wild names. man. <laughs> you had too much hepatitis.